God help us if we get another weak yield this season. I got you all finished up. I can do $50 cash. Got a family. I don't think you guys are seeing the full picture. Catherine, you got a highway at the back of your field now. But where's your dairy business? Telling you, we gotta go big. We gotta get out. Eddie Drake, Patriot Exploration. Not interested. We could pay up to $1,200 an acre. The world is leaving us behind. I know you had a visit with You make the decisions that's best for your family. I'll make the decisions that's best for mine. Does that sound like something you might be interested in? Jesus, Dad, wake up! Oh. Hang on, just, just close my eyes for a second. Hello, hello, and welcome to Killer Casting. I'm Lisa Zambetti. I'm a casting director in LA where I cast for TV and film and video games and all kinds of stuff. And it might surprise you that even though I cast a show called Criminal Minds and it's often very bloody and disturbing and full of terror, I actually very rarely say yes when I'm approached to cast a horror genre film. You know, you'd think I'd be into it, but most of the times those scripts you know, they're just not really well-rounded, you know, especially the female characters and the violence is just, you know, it's indulgent. The storytelling is kind of weak. The dialogue is strained anyway. So I tend to just pass. <laughs> but however, lo and behold, a couple years ago, uh, my partner at the time, Becky Silverman and I, um, we got a little script that landed in our lap called Unearth. And it was so different. It had such heart. It was about families and loss and farmers and the desperation to survive in the farm economy. I was just really transfixed by all the characters and especially the female roles. You know, there's a really tough matriarch. And then uh, another character was a sensitive young woman who dreamt of being a photographer. And then there was a young teenage mom who was struggling to finish school. And these are just such great roles. And so, you know, we're like, yeah, let's do it. And luckily they hired us to do it. Um, and, you know, whenever we work on an indie film, it's kind of bittersweet because you work on it so hard and the cast and crew just put their blood, sweat and tears in it, but you never really know if it's going to see the light of day. But I am so happy to say that Unearth 
is seeing the light of the day. You're going to be able to see it on a streaming platform near you. And I wanted to celebrate it. And I wanted you to meet this incredible cast, the writer, director, and learn a little bit about the process of, you know, bringing your dream and putting it, getting it to the screen. So without further ado, I just want to introduce as a big applause for the cast of Unearth. Yay, you're here. I'm so happy to see you. Um, and so why don't we just go round robin and just have you introduce yourself, John, why don't you start? Uh, sure. So I'm John Lyons, one of the directors, writers, and producers on Unearth. Most laid back <laughs> director, even though with such huge Things happened, um, like not having some of your key actors four days before you shoot, and always very laid back. And Dorota, go ahead. Uh, hi, my name is Dorota Schmins, and I'm a co-director and co-producer. And this cast came with a couple of roles already cast um, with people in, with some just amazing actors in place. So uh, who were also producers on the film. Could you introduce yourselves, Ms. McAtee and then Mr. Blukas? Uh, yep. Yeah. Hi, I'm Allison McAtee. Um, I play Christina and I am a producer on the film too. And I am Mark Blukas, who was fortunate enough to also be involved in the show. And so I'm looking forward to seeing them. It's fun to sit here and see everybody and get ready to kind of dive back in. Like you said, it was a it's a little while ago. It's 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 a long drawn out process raising money and trying to film, edit, post, and get a get a chance to put an independent film together to see the whole story come to fruition. And we're at that point, so it's kind of fun to to revisit that and see everybody now. So thanks and for having us, Lisa. Mark is, you know, you may not, maybe you don't recognize his name. If you look him up, you will definitely recognize his sweet face. He's been on everything. And I've been such a fan of his for such a long time. But I have to tell y'all, I mean, your performance in this movie was is just stunning. I mean, both you and Allison are just unbelievable uh, and you know sometimes that's why you do an indie film right you do it because you get to play a role that maybe hollywood isn't casting you for you know what i mean yeah that's right and i think that i think that we all have a unique yet similar story as to why we signed up for this and uh, i'll say i'll say my version of that and then everybody can kind of can kind of jump in but <clears throat> first thank you for the kind words lisa of course um if we want we could just continue to talk about your interest in me and how much but um but no you know when when john and and, and dorota <clears throat> approached us with it you know this was this was a movie that you know we're all from kind of the same hometown the small town in western northwestern pennsylvania and that i just returned from yesterday mind you um that we all kind of go back to and love and and like you said kind of in the intro when when i got this uh script in front of me it was like wait a minute, here's a horror movie that's actually based in character and story that they want to shoot in my hometown. And I get to go to, they're interested in me for the role that's kind of against type. Mm -hmm. um, and it was something that I just, I jumped at immediately. And like you said about John and Dorota, they're just, they're creative, passionate people, but yet very laid back and collaborative. And it was kind of, when you, like you said, when you sign up for those indies, it's kind of, it becomes, you know, I, I've always been a fan and then I'll be quiet, but I've been a fan, you know, um, Edward Burns wrote a book um, 
called independent ed and it's really and, and it's like it's like getting back to the best 13 days of my life where he basically says i've worked with spielberg i've had I've hundreds of millions of dollars of movies he goes i just won 25 grand to make brothers mcmullen again with all my friends and that kind of was the feel we all wore multiple hats we worked 28 hours a day <laughs> and to try to get this movie shot and made and it was a, it was a, just an amazing experience largely due to the people you put together lisa well, thank you. I wish I could take all the credit, but I can't. You know, sometimes when indie films are made, um, and this one shot in Pennsylvania, which is fantastic. Um, you know, you you have a budget for some of the larger roles, but the little roles, the, the smaller roles, you want to try to cast locally because there's plenty of great actors out there in Pennsylvania. So, you know, me as a casting director, I'm sort of putting together just certain select and Becky and I putting together certain select roles. And there were uh, two roles that we actually read people for or had them send in self tapes. Um, and this, this is a credit to the writing John and Dorota because once people read the script, it didn't matter that it was a SAG low budget or ultra low or whatever it was. Women wanted, they wanted to play these roles because they were just, just so unusual. And so I was looking, I was telling um, before you all came on, I, I went back and I looked at the audition tapes um, for the roles of, uh, let me just make sure I don't mess up everybody's name, of Kim Lomack, who is like a, a teenage mom who's, you know, trying to finish school. And then uh, the role of Aubrey Dolan, who's the um, a farmer's wife, kind of a long suffering, you know, salt of the earth, you know, mom who's is trying to save her family's farm. And we had amazing reads for it. But when I saw Brooke Sorensen's read where she, I mean, I'm not going to spoil the script, but she had to do things in this audition that like no actress should have to do um, without being on set with like actual props and stuff. And the same thing with Monica White she gave such a heartfelt um, audition. I mean, it was just a no brainer to cast you two. So without further ado, I want to introduce Brooke Sorensen and Monica White. Please say hello. Hi, guys. I am Brooke Sorensen. I play Kim Lomack. And like you guys are discussing, um, Hollywood has wanted me to, has cast me in roles very different than Kim. So when the opportunity presented itself, it was very exciting. And I knew just based off the audition, because the content was like very intense emotional scene, I will say that. Um, I was pretty intimidated. I didn't know how I was going to pull it off, but um it was it was a challenge, and that was so exciting um, for me. And um, it was a wonderful opportunity to get to play such a a layered character that's like like you said, already living on the page. Like as an actor, to just step into that and have so many layers to explore, um, especially like as a younger actress or like you know before you reach your twenties, not many characters come along like that. Um, so it's very very exciting and an amazing opportunity. Awesome, Monica. Um, I'm Monica Weich and I play Aubrey Dillon and um, I mean it's a little bit of the same thing that Brooke said but but actually with a, with a great spin that um, I live in New York and the and I, I'm, I'll just say this everything great happened to me after I turned 40 um, mm -hmm. I moved to New York when I turned 40 I you know booked my first TV job when I turned 40 um, and and things have gone 
uphill in a good way since since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and being cast in Unearth, it was the it was the first time since I've been here that um, that since I've been acting in New York that I got to play a character who has been doing like who who has a hard life and all up till then all the things that I'd done were like one offs or two offs on, on episodic TV where it's like I'm a lawyer I'm a doctor I'm the campaign manager mm-hmm. I wear a suit and have really pretty clothes but um but this was so much better this was so much more fun and more comfortable and meant more to me and so since unearth this is my jam now like that's that I figured out that this is where I fit that this is my type and this is where I fit and 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 I will say that um next month I leave for Toronto and I'm doing five episodes of an Apple show yeah and my character is very much very much a a hard living lady and I have you know definitely have to thank thank you I definitely have to thank like the experience that I had on 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 earth Monica, I, I, I'll say this as a friend slash <clears throat> producer on the film. Like, I don't, you're so good in this that I don't even know if I can picture you as a lawyer or a campaign <laughs> manager right now. Right. Like, you are so good in farm clothes. Like, Thank you. It, 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 like, you know, I think a word that we could all use to, to in somewhere in our character description, and, and Lisa, you said it in the intro, is, um, is desperate. And it, for different reasons and at different times in the movie, it bubbles over for each for each character. But I just thought, uh, you know, the, the first scene I saw you act in, I believe, was in the kitchen, was one of the scenes in the kitchen. And I looked, I, I just remember smacking John in the arm. I'm like, who the fuck is this? I'm like, she's amazing in this. Like you and PJ, and I know you'll probably introduce PJ here in a second, but it's like, I feel like the two of you grounded and authenticated this movie more than any other two people in the film. Uh, like well, you were so good in those two roles. Thank you so much. Well, it's, well and as it's an excellent segue, but I was, you know, it, it's because I got to work with PJ, you know, All my stuff. Seriously though. I mean, my, a lot of my, my biggest. I was just about know, to say <laughs> We're so, we're with PJ. So and PJ is one of those actors where, you know, I saw him and I went, oh, I've seen that guy. That guy. Yeah. It was very exciting. So there are two <laughs> more roles that I'm gonna introduce. One I'll save for last because she's not here, but it's it was a huge uh, effort to get her. But um there was this you know, when you're casting an indie, you have a certain amount of budget and you might want to spend a lot of money on this role, not a lot of money. You know, you never really know how the budget is all going to land. And I know at first, I think, John, we were thinking of like going for somebody like really like Craig T. fucking Nelson or like somebody like that. And I'm so glad it didn't go that way um, because and I didn't cast PJ. I think that that Mark, you came through Mark, but um, the one. We all did a version of phone, a phone, a phone, a friend or seven. I think Allison and I both went through our entire Rolodex. And I mean, from actors to writers to like, I was calling, but since we shot in our hometowns, we were calling, I was calling buddies for scaffolding and quads and like anything we could do. Like how, wait a minute, we need to get a light 30 feet high. We don't have the equipment to do that. <laughs> like, you know, it was, this was a phone, a friend kind of movie. And 
even though PJ's not my friend and I don't like him, I had just worked <laughs> with him and, <laughs> and thought how amazing he was. And, um, and he was at the time shooting mine Hunter and doing like Finch, like really, oh, really quality things. And PJ, I'll let you take over. But when I sent him the script, he's like, let's talk about this guy. And I just remember this like hour long conversation we had. And then I put he and John together. Um, and then at that point I said to John, I'm like, look, pay him what he wants because he's so <laughs> locked in now. Like I, 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 and we all made nothing when I say pay him what he wants. That was an independent movie. Joke. <laughs> um, <and laughs> we all lost money on the movie actually. Oh, um, no, 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 I, I can't no. see anyone else in the, in the role. And, and then he and John got on the phone and we were, we were obviously blessed that it happened. So of course we're talking about PJ Marshall. Please say hello and tell us about yourself, young man. Oh God. <laughs> well, hi, I'm PJ Marshall. Um, I play Tom Dolan in the film, and I was also the uh, Krispy Kreme deliverer yes. on the set. That's <laughs> right. Which is the real reason we all liked you. But anyway. That was just a wild hair one day. I was like, wait a minute, it's across the street from my hotel. <laughs> so the last role that we need to talk about is is the anchor of the film. And um, there was a role of this great matriarch, you know, the woman who owns a farm and she just brooks no fools. And we needed, you know, a great older mature actress who could handle it. And, you know, again, you, you go through an offer list and, and then all of a sudden we thought of great Adrian Barbeau, you know, one of the reasons because we had cast her on criminal minds and just a, just a heartbreaking role. And uh, John and Dorota and the Allison and Lucas went for it. So um, do you want to talk about Adrian and what she brought to the project? I mean, I, I think the thing Dorota and I'll, I always think about with Adrian is collaboration. Uh, it was just great having conversations with her about the script and character finding out that she had, uh, you know, kind of farm experience in her family and her background. And that kind of connected her to the role as well. Yeah, it was really just a great collaborative experience. Good to um, always get her feedback on dialogue and, you know, tweaks here and there. Uh, Dorota, you know, being so PC, just say it. She's a fucking what? icon in the genre. She's great. Just exactly. say it. Like it yeah, is. she's great. I think, I think the best thing or the, one of the highlights of Adrian working with her is that she is such a team player and she was willing to. I mean, this is an indie movie. We're shooting in the middle of the woods at 3 a.m. And it's like, as Mark has said, we're like, okay, we're going to, you know, get this shot because we don't want to go into overtime. We're, we're ready to work. She got a call. We called her, I think it was like 1 a.m. And we're like, hey, can you come back to set for this one scene of you crawling through the, you know, the forest? And she was totally game for it and really just um, easy and fun and a great, a great team player. And like, you know, I had a couple scenes with her and it's like, she's like, does this feel right? Are you feeling this? Are you, it's just, it was um, very collaborative and she wanted to be, she wanted to contribute. And I think that some actors, especially if they're, uh, you know, more established in a genre or just in general, they might be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to just walk away. And she was not like that at all. She was just really an awesome human. And um, I think just having that kind of ease is great when you're in this time crunch set. If everyone's like a team player, it's so much better 
than if there's someone that's like, oh, I can't do this. No, I have to go back to my trailer. For oh my hours. gosh. No. And she is so fierce in this yeah. role. I mean, she yeah. just, she put it all out there. You know, she did not hold back. And uh, I just thought she was incredible. Um, we probably should, we probably should end this at the beginning, but we should probably nutshell what the plot is. <laughs> <laughs> what is this movie about, actually? So who who would like to uh, jump in and give us uh, the elevator the elevator pitch for this? Well, the short one is uh, it's a fracking horror movie. Uh, fracking usually, horror movie, yeah, yeah. You know, raises the eyebrows, gets people excited right off the top. But it's really, it's two struggling neighboring farm families um, who one day have an opportunity to turn their lives around when there's a knock on the door to lease their land to a natural gas company. Um, this fractures the relationships between the two families, our matriarch played by Adrian and our patriarch played by Mark Lucas. And ever <laughs> once that happens, once the ground is drilled, it fractures the relationships as well. Something is dug up from underground, the water gets contaminated, and things go bad. I'll say, yeah, but I think at the heart of it, it's just these two families. I mean, you really dig in deep to their relationships, their struggles, their um, their love. Their, um, oh, and I was looking over, I can't believe I did this, John and Dorota, but I was looking over our old emails, and you had sent me a very early on you and Allison had sent me a proof of concept that you guys had done very, oh, yeah. very early on. And the script was much different. And yes. I, yeah, the script was very different. I mean, some of the key, you know, it was still about two farming families. And I just remember watching it. And um, I don't, this is such a, a dick move on my part, but I remember saying to you, this is really great, but like, there's this attraction between Allison and Lucas and, and that wasn't written in the script. Right. And I'm right, like, they're right. like the hottest things on the screen. Like it would be so great if you capitalized on that and, you know, made them uh, love interests and you did. And I promise I, I, I apologize because no, that, that was great uh, advice. Really. That was uh, wonderful advice. Actually. Um, it was and just it was a lot of it was a lot of notes by committee. I mean, it's and again, I think it speaks to why Allison suggested you, I think, initially and why John and Dorota said yes, because Lisa, the reality is, is like we didn't bring any we didn't want anybody that would just wanted to hit a mark and say their line. It's just like, you got to come to the table with something like we, we want you to have the juice. Like we're, we, we, we want to people like, and, and John kind of said this earlier on, it's kind of like, I'm hiring you to do your job. Like, I don't want to micromanage every single person doing their own thing. And it's just like PJ, every single one of these actors had thoughts. And I can say that down the line to the crew and how the movie was lit and how it was shot and Dorota and her focus on the lenses. Oh, see my pun. Uh, focus on the lenses anyway um and lisa and same thing the fact that we were all willing to jump in and again it's it's kind of it starts at the top and that's that's how these guys had set the table to have that kind of freedom to say that as a casting director giving story notes <laughs> it's like there's some filmmakers that might not take that very well and they're like exactly. hey you stay, you stay over in your lane and and that just wasn't it it was kind of like best best idea wins and it was so collaborative right down to on the day, you know, like 
in those scenes. Allison and I were we were we're trying to make it work in a cornfield on the ground and trying to make, you know deliver all of these things that have to happen and shoot it in a way that delivers the way it's supposed to. And it's the same. I remember you guys as a family, you know, Monica, PJ, like all you guys collaborating in the kitchen to make that feel the way it was supposed to feel. And so thank you, but it was kind of expected and why, <laughs> why you were here. So um, I'd like to add to that because I think John, I know it's his first big film, but however you did this, John, maybe it was just instinctively, but you, you let the actors come into the set and rehearse it and find things and didn't just pre-block us. And that's the problem yeah. with a lot of directors and TV directors, they pre-block you. And then when you really start finding the scene, you want to go with, in a different direction, but they're already blocked. You they didn't let you just the camera set, so you can't change it. Yeah, right. I experienced that on Underground, where there was a scene where I'm drunk on this porch, and Mark, uh, the scene was previously written where I don't even get off the porch. And Anthony saw that I was in that space, that drunk space. He said, "Peter, just, just, just do, just go." And we went, and the scene that you see was what we did. And then Angie, Anthony goes, "That's what we're shooting." And I was like, wow, that doesn't happen that often. No, it doesn't. And that's what happened. John did that. He let us just explore and this, and, and I never saw the camera, didn't know where it was. Mm -hmm. And that's, I love that. So, I mean, I was just going to say, and that's why and we I, were behind every day. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we talked about that from the beginning of like, yeah. you know, you, it's, you hire the right people, right? And you all are, professionals so we're not gonna micromanage you so yeah somebody comes with a good idea um uh, it's being open and receptive to that and it made the film better for sure yeah allison mm. the film opens literally with you um and i just love for you to talk about your character christina and you know where she's at in her life when the movie begins and and sort of what your thoughts are about her and, and you know why you wanted to play her um, yeah, thank you. Um, I, uh, well, when John first uh, came to me with this, um, she was a little different, as you mentioned in the prior script and all that. And uh, she was wanting to go to college and she was a little younger. And uh, so I had brought on a writing partner that I have worked with in LA to kind of work on the script. And a lot of a lot of my own stuff and family stuff went into the development of Christina very much so. My um, my grandmother had been a, a hobbyist photographer and she took pictures of mushrooms. So that just started to come up to me as like, oh, a photographer. And, uh, you know, I'm an artist from a small town. So I know what that is to, to get out of a small town. People, I remember, you know, when I said I wanted to be an actor, I was met with like, oh, so you want to be a drama teacher in high school. And um, there's a certain push pull that's very hard. And so I, I wanted to incorporate that. And I understood as she was written. And additionally, um, I have a cousin who uh, stayed and took care of my uh, grandmother as she was dying. And um, she's a wonderful, wonderful human. And um, she put a lot of her life into that. And I think that there are sacrifices that are made oftentimes in that sense. And I, I, we talked initially, I, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, there was a point where uh, should Chris, should I be um, the mother instead? Like was, was I too old to be Christina and should I, 
play Monica's role. And I remember the writers, uh, John and the other writer, Kelsey, saying, you know, I think it's it's a, it's a more of a tragic, uh, and we feel for the character more if she's 30 and she's actually given, you know, 20, 10 years past when most kids leave home and she's given that time and she's still kind of stuck there that, that we have more sympathy for her as opposed to, you know, I'm 22 and I, or I'm 18 and I just want to leave and get out of here. And there's mm-hmm. less sympathy for that. So she, in the very beginning of the movie is struggling with the death of her grandfather. And the grandfather was really the anchor for her. It's her step-grandfather as well. So she, Tom, who PJ plays is not her biological father. Her mother married into the family. She doesn't know her father. So she kind of really latched on to that grandfather and had a really special intimate relationship with him and then nursed him while he was dying Mm -hmm. and kind of stayed on the farm for the, I'm going to take care of him. But as soon as he passes, I'm going to go live my own life. Um, and, but your grandmother does not want that for you. Your grandmother is like, does not want that, which a lot of, you know, that, that is the case in a lot of these small towns too. People don't want you to leave. There's, there's a lot of, um, different psychological reasonings and why, but so, so I really, it was interesting because, you know, as an actor, that was part of the reason that I said yes to this project is after I had spoken to Mark and John was so cool and open and I was like, Hey, this is going to be very collaborative. We're going to be involved in the creation of these characters. Um, I really wanted to come on board. And so I do feel uh, unlike any other project I've ever had, I don't get to, I didn't get to like create the backstory of my character and then it's written as such, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like awesome. it's more like that's in my head that maybe no one knows, but this is literally written as such. And I think to Brooke's point and to Monica's point, on uh and sorry I'm like t- I feel like I'm taking a lot of time you can edit that out but, um, don't worry no, I'm sorry. <laughs> um but uh you know I my whole career I have largely had a career in television as well um I kind of did it hoping to break into film and um I've played att- attorneys and tough boss women and I was a campaign manager for like four years on a show and tough and in a power suit and always you know, not with dirt as my makeup and mm-hmm. not with, um, ripped, torn heart going on. And, um, people didn't see me that way. And there's no, I'm from that. I am that. So that's, what's so interesting is like the way that people perceive. And this, this allowed me to be like, Hey, I, this is actually like closer to my truth probably than any of these other things I've done my whole career. Um, in a lot of ways. So I don't know if that answers that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's, I'm just trying to sort of paint the picture for people who haven't seen it yet. So, uh, so that's one family. So Allison and Monica and PJ are one family, but then we have the other family next door. Uh, so Lucas, tell me about George Lomack, your character, and just kind of describe him and for people who haven't seen the, the film yet. Uh, you know, I think, you know, George is, you know, he's a kind of a mechanic by trade. He's let the farming, you know, it it was a generational thing, like so many of those things back there. And I think that that all kind of went by the wayside in, in the people pick a different career path. And he's trying to he's trying to make ends meet. He's got one daughter who's kind of the, the one that got out. You know, she got off to college and he's trying to support that in this house. And then his, you know, his senior in high school, wonderful daughter played by Brooke, um, gets pregnant and has a baby, too. So suddenly he's supporting 
more kids than what he thought. And so, you know, the biggest thing that, that, that I, my big character note to John and our big conversations early on were, you know, it could be seen later in the movie without giving any away that George could be deemed the bad guy for the choices that he makes. And it, it was very, very important for me that we see a guy who's doing everything he possibly can to make ends meet for his family. And mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he's mopping floors at a pizza place. Like he's not sleeping at all. <laughs> um, in a way to make things work and it's not working. And I think that that is a very relevant storyline to what's happened in the world here this past year or two. hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think that people yeah. have had to change gears and do different things and get out of their comfort zone. And he tucks tail and he puts his pride between his legs and he does everything he can to keep his girl in school, to support his other daughter and now grandson. And he's doing what he can and it's not working when opportunity knocks. And, and, as as you kind of explained in the intro, it's and, and John was given it in the uh, <clears throat> in the elevator pitch of the movie. It's kind of in that moment when you have two philosophical differences to how people treat the land and what they have. And in George's very, you know, I, I think that Adrian's character looks at the world in a very macro bird's eye kind of view, and George looks at it in a micro point of view where it's like I have these seven pe- five people in my world that I have to take care of and if I don't I am a failure as a father and man and he makes a choice that isn't a good one and and, and everyone in the movie suffers some consequences because of it right and so Brooke you play um Mark's daughter um as we said you're the the teenage mom in the- yeah. I really marveled at how you you really rode that line between she is still such a kid mm-hmm. like dad i need myself exactly you know? yeah yet she is 100% in love with her baby and mm-hmm. is trying to raise him and i remember in the screening that i saw your real father was um yeah. was sitting there in the audience and he asked a question of you saying you know how could you tap into that you know, that situation when it's so far away from your experience, you know? Uh, And so do you want to talk about your process a little bit or do you want to talk about what your experience was a little bit? Yeah. um, Well, Kim, what I always admired about Kim is that, you know, she's a very smart, strong girl and she happened to have herself in this situation where she finds herself pregnant and she has to drop out of school for a period of time, but she doesn't let that define her, you know, and she's incredibly driven to go back to school. And although her dad like really lacks the resources, he, he, it's incredible to see his support, even though like he's in such a desperate place. And mm-hmm. Kim, after seeing the film a few times, like you, I really notice how much Kim's situation adds fuel to the fire. Like they're already a struggling family. And then every time you cut to Reese's face and Kim, it's like, wow, this is a struggling family that just is like even more so in a desperate situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like playing a, a mother, um, it's funny because in the audition, um, I remember just like kind of walking out and hearing, um, I'll say that there were screams involved in the audition. Um, hearing other girls' screams. And I was like, I can't sit here in the waiting room listening to this. I went outside and I just watched videos of like babies, <laughs> like l- like laughing. And, and I just kind of visualized that connection. And I, you know, I have mothers in my life and I have a connection to like my baby cousin. And like, I've had those sort of experiences. I'm not a mother, but I just pulled from that um, and just 
built that idea, that connection as much as I could um, in my imagination. And then um, when the the big arc for Kim happens, it's it's just as it's much more um, it hits harder, you know, because yeah. I built that connection. Um, yeah, I don't know yeah. if that answered your question. Absolutely. But. And I should mention that Rachel McKeon, wonderful actress, she plays your sister, Heather Lomax. Mm-hmm. She's not here today, but we should mention that she's just fabulous. So PJ and Monica, I think one of the more disturbing sequences in the film, actually for me, was your relationship, how the strain of the economics of your farm so you guys play the parents of uh, Allison's character, Monica, you're her, you're her mom and, and PJ, you're her stepfather. Um, but there was a couple of scenes where you're under such pressure um, to make the farm go that, you know, Monica, you get your hand slammed in the tractor and um, you just you can't even take the day off. And, and PJ is like pushing you. PJ's character is like, come on, just, you know, toughen up, shake it off. We got it. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, and for me, maybe because uh, my other podcast, I am is about true crime and we deal a lot about domestic violence (laughs) and and stuff like that. Like um, I was, it made me extremely uncomfortable how the dynamic of that relationship, how much control you had over her, you know, guilting her or, and really over her body. I don't know if that, I'm sure that wasn't your intention, but it's just, I'm just giving you like, that's my whole body was responding to that. Were you aware of that when you guys were playing those scenes? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not to the extent in my head of what you're explaining, mm-hmm. but definitely. And I think it comes down from my mom and then it comes out of me. It's like a continuation. Mm-hmm. Adrian, or Adrian Barbo's character. Yeah. Exactly. Who's like pushing, pushing, pushing everybody to keep working. Like when working. I come in and I just, I'm dead tired. And then she makes that crack and I grab my gloves and go back out. You know, I don't say fuck off. I don't say I'm not doing it. I'm like, and that's the thing. And then I give it to her, you know, in a different way, yeah. but it's the same thing of like, well, we can't, we, and you know, it's also the, like, it shows you the, 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 confines that they're in, you know, and, and, and what they're struggling against. Like, and I felt horrible saying that to her, you know, like in the deep part of me, is like, ah, 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 and I have to like shut that down and go, that's not, you know, but you know, what made it so believable is her reaction. Mm-hmm. So Monica talked well, about being in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, Women, I'm going to generalize, but, uh, well, no, I'll just speak for myself. You know, I'm a mom and I uh, am a wife and I don't have a, a regular job that financially contributes to our household on a regular, predictable basis. Um, and so there's always a part of me even now that's like, trying to make sure that I'm pulling my weight and oh here I made you lunch and oh let me get my kid let me be the one to take our kid to school and pick him up because I want to be contributing and oh I've got this gig coming up but who knows when I'll get paid for that and you know like Mm -hmm. I'm always like trying to be a good wife trying to be a good wife and um my husband is lovely and wonderful and the most caring person in the whole entire world for what you know for the record um but I think that there's just always a piece of me and a piece of most women where like you're so busy caring for other people and you're so busy trying to keep your family 
running smoothly, that it doesn't matter what you need. It doesn't matter what you want. You, you don't, but I don't, I find myself in, in real life, not really always listening to what I need. You know, like, I, should I be meditating? Sure. Am I doing it? No, because I am thinking about, oh shit, I got to go get bread for kids lunch. He's got school for three more days. I still have to pack his lunch tomorrow. Um, I'm rambling a little bit, but I think that for Aubrey, it's just the way that it is. There's nothing else. It's not like, oh, he's so hard on me. I wish my life was different. It's the, no, that's your fucking life. And there's, there is no different. And this is how it always is. And yeah, you guys got to get to work and go kick the corn and, and quit your moaning and suck it up. Yeah. I mean, there's no insurance for you to have to go mm-hmm. even get your your injury looked at there's like you guys are just like literally on your own pulling up your bootstraps when there actually are no boots <laughs> yeah to the people that live in to to that slice of life that we were sharing too and i think that's why it's so resonant is that um both monica and pj everyone really but monica and pj are like that they just there are so many families that are in that situation and that that live like that in pennsylvania mm-hmm. now still and not just pennsylvania but other parts of the country um i just think they nailed it and i think that there is a lot of resonant truth monica to not just you as a as a woman but as a collective unconsciousness of women and society and how we are mm-hmm. and what we feel that we, you know, should contribute to relationships, whether you're an artist, sure. or if you were like a stay at home mom or, you know, there, that's yeah. underlying truth that a lot of women feel. And I think that, um, especially if you're in an environment that has a patriarchal outline, although they come from the matriarchal family, um, that's the, it's like, well, what's, what are you doing? How are you pulling your weight? And, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. People it, never break away from that ever. Yeah. It's very hard. No, so they may not even realize how bad it is because they just mm-hmm. don't know it. Mm-hmm. They don't know. There's nothing different. Yeah. I think that's and by the way, like man, woman, or any race, religion, or anything in between, if that attitude was more you know, was a little bit more prevalent in society, this that whole idea of being selfless instead of selfish, and this idea of what can I do to contribute instead of how do I get mine? If that was just yeah. the more of the mentality, we would be in a much better, we'd be Absolutely. in a much better place 100%. anyway. Like everything you said, Monica, I felt was in, in what you just contributed, Alice is like it's directly correlated to me outside of whether we're talking what sex we're we're talking about. It's like, mm-hmm. you know what, this is this would be a really great mindset for all of us to adopt. It's like, how can I contribute to the greater good as opposed to how can I get mine in this crazy world that we live in? So just for for our listeners, it's kind of fascinating. We've been talking here all this time and the horror aspect of the movie has not even been broken. It's a horror movie? Lisa, I was literally, I literally thought that five minutes ago. I was like, you know what? It's a credit. It's a credit to what we kind of said before and to what the writers pulled off and the idea that John wanted. And, and, and again, it was what I was saying earlier about how we all kind of have a similar story and why we signed up for this. It's just like, we all love the genre, but we also know that sometimes it's 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 really about just the gore and the shock value of the first mm-hmm. three minutes and just doing something crazy that the audience hasn't seen before instead of um, which it, my belief which is it's scarier when I care about the people 
Mm-hmm. And when, right. when they're in peril, I feel in peril as, as a viewer and as a storyteller and someone a part of that audience. And so I think that we all responded to the fact that the quote unquote horror genre element of this movie doesn't even come in until page 60. Like we, we, were, we <laughs> right. really spend time learning of the world that you just heard all of us talk about and all of these characters and, and situations. And then when bad shit gets, gets introduced, we're like, oh, we like all these people. It's like, oh, that's yeah. not going to be good for him. Oh, that's not going to be good. Yeah, you know, we like, like them. We know their weaknesses. We know where we know where they stand, you know? Exactly. And so, you know, if you, if people, if audiences are looking for a really, you know, for the big scares and the horror, it definitely comes into play here. And I don't want to spoil all of it, but, you know, you do take it so much more personally when some of these characters experience the consequences of, you know, one family lets um, the energy company come and frack on their land and the other doesn't. And yet, so many more people, there is so many peripheral damage, you know, casualties that happen for these decisions. And so I just want to kind of turn it back to John as we're kind of going to wrap up here. But so some people could look at it and say, this is a very political movie. I mean, it's not the Matt Damon, I forget what movie he did that was about fracking, but um, do you- Promised Land. Promised Land. Land. I mean- the the bad guy in this movie, the big bad, is is something kind of intangible, or is it the energy company? Or you know, who, tell me about your your you and Dorota, and what is your sort of POV on all that? Yeah, I mean, it's political for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a it's a film that was written and originated from a place, you know, honestly, of like really deep <laughs> anger. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I can tell you for sure. Um, you know, seeing seeing people like these that, you know, you've got for the listeners, you've gotten to know the characters a little bit uh, through the conversation. I mean, seeing the kind of people that um, our system in society grinds down and spits out um, and, you know, the, the flyover states, um, you know, blue, the blue collar workers that uh, feed feed all of us and, um, you know, keep the services running, keep the machine going. Um, yeah, so it was, it was written from that point of view of, um, you know, the system is broken and it's not an empathetic system. It's not a a selfless system like Mark was, Mark and Monica were talking about. Um, yeah, so it was, that was definitely by design and, and yeah, we understand that it's, you know, it's going to be controversial for some people. And yeah, as you were saying, it's a slow burn for sure. You have to be a patient viewer. You have to be um, an empathetic viewer uh, for sure. Um, It's horror from the approach of uh, very much dread and dread was really our focus as far as the horror elements, you know, right from the start with the score uh, from Jane, Jane Saunders during the opening credits we really wanted to kind of lay out um, where this is going uh, very in a kind of a shining sort of way, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, shit's going to get bad <laughs> yeah, you know, and get you really comfortable in that environment. And Dorota maybe can speak to, um, you know, the isolation that we wanted to show through camera and, and stuff like that as well. So that you're really on the faces of these um, great performances and, um, you know, you're right there with them so that you feel every moment and feel that rising dread uh, squeezing around your throat. Do you want to add anything there? 
just think, start. I think you did all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so, so glad that many, many people are going to see this really special project. I'm so proud of it. Um, I know that's probably very patronizing <laughs> to say that, but I I'm just lucky yeah. to have you a part of it, Lisa. Just so thankful to you to bring together this amazing group here. Like you did that. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, you. thank well, you for casting me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. well, you're being very generous because you guys certainly did, you know, most of the legwork. Anything else anybody wants to say before we sign off? Uh, oh, the release date is going to be on Amazon, right? Yeah, um, it'll be on all the major platforms, uh, Amazon, Apple TV, and then go down, go, go down the list. It'll be everywhere July 6th. July 6th. July 6th. Yay. Just when everybody's in their backyard having you know, <laughs> barbecues, they can watch this and get the shit scared out of them. Um, well, y'all, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. It's so good to see all of you and check Thank in you. how great you're doing. And uh, everybody get out there and uh, stream this wonderful movie, Unearth, uh, coming soon on July 6th. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yay, cool. And for now, that's Killer Casting signing off. Killer Casting was created and produced by Lisa Zambetti. Sound editing by Dean Laffin from Real World Productions. Logo art by April Laffin. Theme music provided by Amphibious Zoo Music and Big Fat Opinions provided by Brian Allen Hill.